Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of It Starts With Attraction. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing ItStartsWithAttraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to ItStartsWithAttraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. I have a yes or no question for you. Is there a relationship in your life right now that you are hyper focused on? Like a relationship with your spouse that isn't going well and it's all you can think about? Or maybe it's a relationship with your child that isn't as strong as you want it to be. Your child is doing things that you wish that they weren't doing and it's tearing your heart out and it's all that you think about. Maybe it's a relationship with a family member or a friend that has been fractured or hurt because of disagreement or because of something in the past that's happened, a grudge that hasn't been let go of. Do you have a relationship like that in your life? If you answered yes to that question, then you don't want to miss this podcast. Because in this episode, I'm going to be talking about why you need to stop focusing on the relationship and what you need to do instead to restore the relationship, to restore yourself, and to give you the best possible future going forward. Let's dive in. Hey, my name is Kimberly Beam Holmes, and this is It Starts With Attraction, where we discuss how to become the most attractive that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, or as us insiders call it, the pies. You can become more attractive to others and most importantly, to yourself. We will teach you how. Let's dive in. One of the most common things that I see or hear from people that I work with in the work that I do at Marriage Helper or the work that I do with what I do with pies is that there are always people who are stuck because they are focusing so much on their relationship. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, I posted in one of my Facebook groups, stop focusing on your relationship, focus on you. That's all I said. And the response that I got from that post was amazing. People thanking me for the encouragement, for the reminder, and admitting the struggles that they are having around that exact issue right now. Because you see, it's hard when you love someone, when you cherish a relationship, and all of a sudden that relationship isn't going the way you want it to. You don't have the intimacy that you used to have. You don't have the closeness. You see the person making choices and decisions that you know are not only taking them further away from you, but also aren't healthy for them. It's very difficult to do. And so what we tend to do when we're in that situation is to become hyper-focused on the relationship, to think about it all the time, to read every podcast, (laughs) to read every article or book that we can, to listen to every podcast, watch all of the YouTube videos until we honestly start going crazy because we have so much information and we can't do anything with it. Because at the end of the day, the relationship is still broken. All of the focus that we've put on it hasn't fixed it, but we feel like if we just focus or do a little more, if we just said one more thing or tried one more thing, that it might be the thing 
that will fix everything and make it work. I understand how this feels from a marriage perspective. It was about four years into my marriage when Rob and I started having some major issues. They stemmed from a lot of things, communication, what he was going through at work, what I was going through in my personal life, and we just started to disconnect. This actually started after my husband, Rob, and I had been separated for a year while he was stuck in Korea with the military and I had come back to the States to start my master's degree. And being separated for that year was hard at first, but honestly, it was scary how easy it was. And I always tell people the hardest part of all of the times that Rob and I were separated because of the military and things like that, the hardest part was coming back together. It was never what you would picture in the movies where there was just fireworks and tears and all of the celebration for having him home. Of course, I was always happy when we first got back together and I could see him again, but it was weird as well. It honestly was like we were just getting married all over again and we had to relearn how to live with each other every single time. And there was an awkwardness. And especially after being separated for a year, after only being married for a year and a half, so we were separated almost as long as we were together, we both got comfortable in our own ways. And so as he was coming back home, we were reintegrating into the world and into our relationship together and what that looks like, we realized that this was going to be incredibly difficult again, because once again, we were having to sacrifice that independent part of us and make compromises again and learn what each other liked and didn't like and the little quirks and habits that each person has that might annoy the other person. We had to refigure all of this out. And in that process, our relationship was drawn further apart until we were just fighting a lot. We didn't necessarily like being around each other. And it was difficult to find any positive way to connect. And I remember when I realized that this is what was happening, I got scared. Of course, I didn't want our marriage to be like this for the rest of our lives, where we were basically roommates who liked each other, but we didn't feel like husband and wife who were in love with each other. I didn't want that to be the rest of our 60 years of marriage, but I also didn't want it to end either. That wasn't an option in my book. So I began to become hyper-focused on him. What could I do to make him happy? What could I do to get him to open up? What could I do to get him to connect? What could I do to get him to do what I wanted him to do. And what ended up happening is I became so hyper-focused on every move he made, every way that he would react to something I said, every little body language that he would do in return to something I had done. I started overanalyzing every part of our relationship and I began to equate my personal happiness with how my husband felt, reacted to, or treated me that day. And let me tell you, friends, that is not a place anyone in any type of relationship should ever be. Here's why. 
no one is ever going to be able to make me happy. No person on this earth is ever going to be able to complete me or make me feel whole or make me feel like I have value apart from what I believe in my faith. Because every human is flawed. And when I begin to find my identity and my sense of self-worth in someone else, then I begin to lose myself. And that's exactly what began happening to me. I began to lose my sense of self because I was so focused on my husband. And I was so focused on doing any and everything to try and make him happy. I also stayed stuck because I would try and move two steps forward. And depending on how he reacted to me in a certain day, I might in my mind take myself three steps back because if I would make him his favorite breakfast or if I tried to get up early to spend time with him before he went to work and if he would, if he brushed me off, if he didn't feel like talking that day, I would personalize all of that. I would take it as a personal offense to me and I would say to myself, I didn't do something right. What can I do different tomorrow or the next day in order to get him to react differently? And I ended up staying stuck because I was gauging everything the wrong way. But the third thing is that I became jaded. I began to stop seeing reality for what it actually was. And I was only seeing it through my super focused, very narrow viewpoint of exactly what I perceived what was happening in my relationship. And I'm going to be honest with you, the majority of the time, my perception was not reality. Because what ended up happening is I got so stuck in my own mindset. I was so deeply entrenched in my thoughts, in my perception, putting everything through my filter of my emotions. And I was filtering everything through that. So if Rob were to come home and he needed some time to unwind or decompress after a hard day at work, then what I would take that as was he doesn't care about me. He doesn't want to be around me. He doesn't love me. But that wasn't reality. That was my perception of reality, but it wasn't the truth about reality. And I began to realize that the fact that I was focusing on my marriage so much that I was focusing on Rob so much was actually doing more damage to our relationship long-term than if I were to take a step back and stop letting it be the focus of all of my thoughts. You might be thinking of yourself right now in this situation. And it might be that you're struggling with this with your spouse. It may be that you're struggling with this with a parent or a friend where you are trying your hardest to restore a relationship, but it seems like everything that you do has fallen flat on its face and you feel like you can't get out of the pit that you're in. You don't know how to bring redemption to your situation and you feel like a fish out of water, floundering, trying to gasp for air, but you don't want to give up yet because you love this person and this relationship is important to you, but it's also causing you constant stress. My goal 
in this episode is to leave you with three things that you can do that will actually be beneficial for you and for your relationship in the long run. That you won't lose your sanity. You won't feel like you keep hitting your head against the wall. You will feel like you actually have a plan of something that you can do to hold on to while you do what you actually can do in order to bring restoration to the relationship that you care about so much. We have a fear. Anytime that we're in this situation, we struggle with the fear that the person that we love will leave or that maybe they won't see how much we love them or they won't see how hard we're trying Or maybe we think that we might miss something if we stop focusing on the relationship. That if we were to step back and give space, that it might leave enough room for the person to realize that maybe they don't want to be around us. That's the fear that we have in thinking about stepping back and giving breathing room in the relationship. But there comes a point where we have to ask ourselves, do we want to stay stuck in a miserable relationship while making ourselves miserable in the process? Or do we want to actually start doing things differently, even though it might be scary so that we can become the best that we can be while we're also trying to restore and redeem our relationship for a path moving forward? So how do you stop focusing on your relationship? Here's the first thing. You need to find a different focus. Because if you've been focusing to this point on how happy is that person acting towards me, or whether or not they respond to you and want to talk to you, or whether they act a certain way towards you, that whether they hug you or smile at you or call you or respond to your text message. If that is the focus that you have, then everything that you do, you're going to be basing whether or not it was successful on whether or not the person responded in the way that you wanted them to. Now, here's the problem with that line of thinking. You're not in that person's head. So you may have put these measures in your head of markers of success, when in actuality, the person that you are in this relationship with, whether it's a spouse, a kid, whoever it might be, they might not be thinking about it the same way you are. They may receive that text from you and you're over here waiting for the response because just getting the response will show that there's movement happening, that something is going to be redeemed here, that they still care about you. That's what you're thinking. On the flip side, they may have received the text, gotten it, read it, appreciated it, and not even known how to respond. And so they didn't respond. And then you end up taking that as the fact that they don't care, that you pushed too hard. You end up beating yourself up about it when in reality, you don't know how that person processed it. And when you become so focused on those tiny markers that you decided on for whatever reason you decided on them, then you might miss the bigger picture of how things are happening from a 30,000 foot view, as opposed to from a five foot view hovering over their shoulder, trying to understand every single thing they're doing. But when you take the step back and you look at it from a bigger picture, you have to realize that you can't control 
the other person. You can't control if they respond to you. You can't control if they answer the phone when you call. You can't control how they feel about you. You can't control how they react to you. You can't control any of the actions, behaviors, or reactions that they have to you. The only thing that you can control is you. You can control how often you contact them. You can control what you say. You can control how you act or react to that person, even in difficult times. You can control you. And at the end of the day, that is it. When I was so focused in my marriage on doing whatever I thought would make my husband happy, I missed the mark probably 90% of the time. Because what I was really focused on was what could I do to make me feel better? I wasn't 100% focused on what could I actually do to serve my husband, to love him unconditionally, and to make sure that even if he's not acting in a way that I think deserves it, how can I be the best companion to him during this time? Because if I were to think that way, I would have taken it out of my own head and I would have really, truly focused on him. And instead of me sending him a text message and worrying about why he didn't respond throughout the day or whatever that might be, I would instead say, you know what? I want to encourage my husband today. And whether or not he responds, I'm going to send a simple text message. I'm not going to be overwhelming. I'm not going to try and push him. I'm not going to try and manipulate him into feeling guilty or feeling like he has to respond to me. I'm simply going to send him a text message saying, I hope you have a great day today and not expect any response because I can't control how he would respond to that, but I can control whether or not I act in a way that is most helpful and beneficial to our relationship. I don't have time here to get into don't overdo that and don't be pushy about things, but I'm simply going to leave it at that for now. But the other part of thinking about how to find a different focus is to remember that happiness is subjective. And if you're focusing on whether or not your spouse or your child or your friend is feeling happy, number one, you're never going to know. But number two, if it's whether or not you are happy about the way things are going, your emotion could change day to day simply based on what you ate that morning. I mean, (laughs) there are such tiny things that happen throughout our day that can affect whether we feel happy or not happy. And happiness is subjective in any case, in any day, and especially in every relationship. So find a focus that is different than happiness. Maybe you decide instead that you want to focus on being an encouragement to the person in your life. Maybe you want to focus on making sure that you don't overwhelm that person with needs or emotion if that's where you feel like they're disconnecting. Maybe you just want to focus on praying for that person for seven days and stop worrying about what you need to do or not do. Find a different focus. The second thing is to make sure that you are making a conscious effort to replace the thoughts. The thoughts of anxiety you have, the thoughts of wondering what that person is thinking, the thoughts of worrying about where your relationship is going. 
replace and change those thoughts. My favorite book says that we are able to take every thought captive and we are able to commit it the way that we want it to go. And that's not just a biblical principle. It's also grounded in neuroscience. We have the ability to change the neural pathways of the thoughts that we have and take them from going from negative into becoming more positive. We have that ability, but it doesn't happen overnight and it doesn't happen without being intentional about it. Intentional to the point that we may have to change our schedule or change the habits that we have because we need to avoid coming in contact with things that are going to trigger us to have those negative thoughts. Maybe I need to stop going on Instagram and following some of those people who make me feel like I'm not good enough or I'm not pretty enough or I'm not lean enough because when I see that, all I think of is, well, maybe if I looked like that, my husband would love me. Maybe if I acted like that or did something different, my wife would accept me. If those are triggering those thoughts in you that raise your anxiety, that then later that day start trying to feed into you to to contact your spouse, to say something that you know you shouldn't say, or to get back in that place of focusing and over-focusing and over-analyzing every part of your relationship, then change what you're looking at. You might need to change the books you're reading. You may need to stop obsessing over the relationship gurus on YouTube. You may need to put down the books on parenting. So when we brought our kids home from India, of course, I had read all of the adoption books. And I'm going to be 100% honest with you. They caused me more anxiety than than anything. I was only thinking of everything I had to do absolutely perfect so that these children would attach to us so that they would love us so we wouldn't have problems. And the overanalyzation of all of the things that I had read and some even some of the Facebook groups I were a part of where I was just seeing people who who were constantly negative, who were constantly talking about problems, I felt like being a mom was impossible. I had no clue how to do it because everywhere I turned or everything I read, there was a different suggestion, a different idea, someone telling me what I should or shouldn't do, and I completely shut down. I thought, I can't do this. But it wasn't that I couldn't be a mom. It was that I couldn't keep listening to all of those things and still be mentally clear and be able to be a present mother to my children. So I put away all the books, I sold them, I gave them to other people, I got rid of every Facebook group I was a part of, and I started living life as a present mother who loved her children and did what came naturally. Now, that's not to say that we don't need people to sharpen us and that we shouldn't invest in being better parents. I absolutely believe we should. But we can become so obsessed with it that we become paralyzed and that we don't even do what we know we should do, the things that we know are the right things to do. And once I got rid of all of that in my life, I was a better mom. I was more present with my children. I loved being with my family even more. I wasn't beating myself up all of the time for the things I should or shouldn't do. I wasn't trying to remember a list of rules 15 miles long. I just did the right things for my kids. And then I had the mental capacity to pick up a new podcast, to listen to some more parenting books, to read and and 
dive into some more things, but it was on my time where I could handle it, knowing that it was what I needed in that moment. Some of you, I know because I was there, are in a place where you are reading and taking in so much information and you're frustrated because you can't do anything with it because your child isn't talking to you or because your spouse is still acting like they don't love you because you're not in a place to actually do the things that you've been reading about and you get more frustrated and you want even more to do things differently and for things to be fixed. And so then you try and push more or you try and do more things in order to get your relationship to where you want it to be. And it only ends up making it worse because you're taking in too much. And everything that you're reading and listening to is reminding you of those thoughts and reminding you of those fears And reminding you of those lies in your head that tell you you're not good enough, that tell you you're not worthy, and those lies that tell you that this is never going to work. You need to change your thoughts. And to change your thoughts, you need to change what you're thinking about. You need to change what you're taking in. And the third and the most important thing that you need to do is you need to focus on yourself. Because at the end of the day, the only person that you can control and the only person that you can change is you. And that is why we teach the pies to become the best you that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. It's not just something you do to attract a person to you, but it's something you do because what's the other option? You do it for you. You do it to be the best you that you can be because otherwise you're, you're not getting the most out of life, out of you, out of what you were made for and the purpose that you have here on this earth. If you allow yourself to be so obsessed with what other people think of you and you don't stop and take ownership of yourself how you can be the best that you can be in all four of those areas. It's not just about, as I said, attracting someone to you. It's about you being attracted to you. It's about you gaining your confidence back, finding that identity that you have lost, about gaining a sense of purpose in your life. Because Part of what makes it so easy to become so hyper-focused on these relationships in our life is that we don't even know what our own purpose is. We don't know what our worth is, and we have tied it up into these titles that we have, like husband or wife or mom or dad or friend or CEO or whatever it might be. But in reality, we just don't know who we are anymore. When you focus on you... You begin to take your life back. And that's not to say that these relationships in our life aren't important. Relationships are incredibly important. But for us to be a healthy individual in a relationship, we have to be healthy within ourselves first. Because in all of these things that we have tried to do by by focusing on the relationship and having all of these measures and metrics in our mind that we want to measure up to, what we're really wanting is to feel different inside. And if I search for that feeling from someone else, then I'm never going to end up finding it. 
And if you are searching for that feeling from someone else, if you are waiting for circumstances or someone else to make you happy, then it won't. There will always be something else to be your focus illusion. Here's what I mean by that. When I was in ninth grade, I climbed a mountain. I went with my youth group in high school and we went out to Colorado. There was about 30 of us and we climbed to the peak of Mount Elbert. And here's what I didn't know because I had never climbed a mountain before. But as you start to summit, as you start to get to the top, as you're reaching the peak, the pinnacle of the mountain, there's these things that are called false peaks. So as you're escaping the wooded area, you're coming out onto close to that top of the mountain. Everything is rocky. You have to start climbing. You look like you are almost to the very top. And you're, you're thinking, I'm almost here. It's been two weeks on this mountain that we have been climbing. I need a shower. Thank you, Jesus. The peak is here. And you get to that peak and you realize that wasn't it. There's another one. Like that wasn't it. That just looked like from where we were standing, that looked like what the peak was. But now that I've gotten here, it's even further away. We still have to keep going. It's called the false peak. And it happens a couple of times before you actually get to the part of the mountain where you are standing at the very top and you are looking out and you are looking down and it is a beautiful view from where you are. And it's probably even more beautiful because you've done the hard work to get there. And that's exactly what I believe happens in this whole process. What we're really wanting is to feel worthy, to feel valued, and to feel loved. And we start focusing on these other people or situations or circumstances or titles that we have in our life in order to help us feel that way. But then when we get there, it's a false peak. We don't feel the way that we wanted to feel, but gosh, we are tired from climbing. And we look up and we see, I have further to go. Like this isn't what was going to get me here. I thought that I was here. I thought I had arrived because I had the love of this person or the ear of this person, or I got a promotion at work, but I don't feel the way I want to feel. And it's not until we finally get to that final peak, the realization that that love and acceptance and value that we are so searching for can't and shouldn't come from someone else. It has to come from within us. What we believe about ourselves, what you believe about yourself. And as a person of faith, I believe that that comes from God. I believe that he is the person that for me in my life, he's the one I turn to and he tells me what my worth and my value is. But even if you're not a person of Christian faith, then you still have that same opportunity available to you. You are made for a reason and for a purpose with value and with worth, and you are loved. Even if you don't feel that way because of how someone in your life is treating you or because of how a relationship in your life is making you feel, those aren't what define you. Should you fight for those relationships to be healed? Absolutely. 
Should you love unconditionally the people around you, even when they may not deserve it, wholeheartedly? Should you care about other people and want to give back to the community and neighborhood that you live in? A hundred percent. But those things are not going to be what defines you and your value and your purpose as a human. But you can begin to find that value in the pies. I know that might sound silly and it might sound cliche, but I 100% believe it. Because as we work on our pies, we're taking that focus away from the things that we might be entrenched in, that we might be held captive to. We're taking ownership back. And we are deciding the ways that we want to become the best that we can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. So what are the key pies takeaways for this episode? The first one is relationships in your life do matter, but they do not make you matter. The relationships don't define you. Relationships instead are meant to refine you, to make you a better person, not to give you your purpose. They are important. They are valuable. They are needed in life. We have to have relationships and connections with the other people around us in order to even breathe. But when we let the relationships own us and hold us captive to the point where we are obsessing about everything that we should or shouldn't do, and we lose ourselves in the midst of it, that's not a healthy relationship. The second part is, in order to have a healthy relationship, we have to become the healthiest that we can be in all areas of the pies, physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. Because remember, you can only control you. You can only focus on yourself And you are the only person who can change the thoughts and the behaviors and the habits that you have that keep you stuck in that negative place. If you need help in working on your pies and finding community and encouragement, then be sure that you go to piesuniversity.com where we have courses up that you can go through, that you can engage with, that will teach you exactly what you need to do to become the best you can in all four of these areas. In tactical things, I mean, telling you exactly what you can do on a day-to-day basis to work on each area of your pies in the most well-documented and researched areas of science and psychology, we apply it. I applied it in these courses that I made. You can choose from a shorter course that helps you with your habits. That's a three-day course that you can go through, or you can go through the 14-day course that is more of a jump start, a quick start into working on your pies, where you take 10 minutes a day and you learn things that you can immediately apply into your life to become the best of your pies. Or you can go through our deep dive class that is more of a 30-day class that goes really in-depth into each single area of the pies, gives you the psychology, the understanding, the why behind the why of it. There's something for every single person. I encourage you to go there and to get connected. I also encourage you to follow me on Instagram at Kimberly Beam Holmes, where I am becoming more active in sharing deep and personal parts of my journey, my struggles, my victories, my life lessons, and just my life in general with you. I would love for you to join my conversation that I'm constantly having over there 
because clearly I know how to talk, but I would love to get to know you even more. You can also join the pies group on Facebook, hashtag working on my pies, all one word, but however you choose to connect, I hope that you do. Because when you take the first step into connecting and learning and wanting change, that's actually when the change begins to happen. Friends, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Remember to go and subscribe to this podcast and leave an honest review. I love to hear from you guys. So be sure to go and do that. And it will also help more people find the podcast as well. You can always find out more information by going to itstartswithattraction.com for show notes, for updates, and to join the email list so that every Friday you can get an encouraging email that specifically tells you what you can do to work on your pies so that you can become the best that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. Until next week, keep working on your pies and stay strong.